This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Round Ball Stew podcast on NBC Sports Edge. I am filling in as your host. I'm Ryan Knaus. Uh, Matt Straup is out today, but he'll be back as usual on Friday with me to discuss some playoff action, DFS plays, look at some season long for next year when applicable is Raphael Johnson. Uh, how's it going, Raph? Right before the show started, you and I were talking about DFS lineup yeah. and you said last night was hit or miss maybe. So how, how did it go for you last night? Last night did not go well at all. I didn't have like Joel Embiid in my lineup, but it just felt like outside of Jimmy Butler, a lot of the guys that you would expect to kind of produce good numbers really didn't come through. So mm-hmm. we hope to redeem ourselves tonight. But yeah, that's kind of there how DFS go. goes. Yeah, I had I had Max Struess the game prior, so I, I picked yeah. him uh, one game <laughs> too too early on that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll, we'll get back to that series in a minute. But I think we wanted to jump right in with some unfortunate injury news, and that is John Morant. We already knew that he had a right knee injury. Obviously, he missed the Grizzlies last game. He is now doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs. It is a bone bruise in his right knee. Um, so I guess my first question, because this series, I mean, with the Grizzlies down 3-1 without yeah. probably their their most improved player and team MVP for the rest of it, they, they're toast. <laughs> um, but lo- long term for fantasy, do you have any concerns here because this is the same injury mind you that has cost Morant two extended stretches during the regular season he ended up missing 26 games total this season but much of that was due to the right knee not all of it you know does it give you a bit of pause because we're talking about a slight guy who lives in the lane so any any worry here on your fantasy radar I'm not there yet Um, not so but my concern would be not so much about the knee but rather like you said, his style of play. I think it was Jim Jackson who made this point that he falls to the ground a lot. You know, you play that athletic, aggressive style. Even if guys aren't trying to take you out of the air, it's just inevitable that it's going to happen. You think about past players like in Allen Iverson or Dwayne Wade, guys who would play similar fashions, not completely, but they would kind of get up in the air, hit the ground a lot. And they both had lengthy careers, but there's still a bit that kind of makes you hold your breath a little bit in that regard. So that would be my biggest concern there. But in terms of knee, I think he'll be fine moving forward. All right. And an optimistic take. I'm with you, too. I mean, there, there's really no reason to project like, oh, this is a, a going yeah. concern. It's more, as you said, the style of play and the fact that he has a slight build and then he lives in the air and even you know, the best player, when you come down in that much traffic, sometimes you're going to land on a foot. Sometimes you're going to take contact. Uh, And there's talk. I mean, the Grizzlies need him to be a better point of attack defender. They can hide him to some extent, but ultimately they're going to need him fighting through more screens, getting on Mm -hmm. ball a little more aggressively, all more physicality, more physicality. So uh, just something to keep an eye on my, my long-term, or at least for next season, ADP wise for Morant, I'm a little skeptical just because, 
he erupted so completely this season with the most improved mm-hmm. honors and all that that he still finished as a outside the top 40 for nine cap because turnovers yeah. are an issue uh you know there are some slight flaws in his fantasy game that he could still build and correct on don't get me wrong I just feel like he's going to cost you a top 20 pick, and I don't know that I'm ready to go that high. Where do you come down on his ADP? Oh, man. Uh, I'm in <laughs> that top 20. Like, yeah, I wouldn't – I don't know. I would actually – I think I would take someone like a Lamelo Ball before him. Um, mm-hmm. Even though John, as you mentioned, has made great strides in this game. I think three-point shooting is an area where he's made strides from last season to this. I think that's an area where he can still get better. And maybe that's something that comes as he – I wouldn't say limits the drives into the paint, but maybe understands that you can't go in there as much as you like, you know, moving forward from a longevity standpoint. So I think turnovers is a concern. And also you look at that roster, those guys should only get better as well. I've got a a lot of young, talented players who are going to probably take on a heavier workload moving forward. Maybe that limits him a little bit as well. That's very true. And I will say one potential positive, if Ja does stay out of the paint a little more, takes less contact, maybe he goes to the free throw line less Mm -hmm. frequently and damages fantasy managers less accordingly because he was still only 50 or 75% uh, from the line this season. But moving to the more immediate picture for Memphis as they face elimination without Ja Morant, Uh, You know, we saw in 23 games this season without Morant, no Grizzlies player logged more minutes than Tyus Jones. He had a huge game four. He played 41 minutes in that one. Uh, I expect more of the same tonight. DFS values tend to change pretty slowly, although I did look at FanDuel. I haven't checked other sites yet. And Jones' salary has jumped significantly, but he's still in that, you know, bottom second or third tier he feels like a no-brainer to me again. Um, right. Are you are you eyeing him, and is there anyone else on the Grizzlies who you think benefits a lot? Obviously, after last game, DeAnthony Melton, probably not one of them. Yeah, I think in FanDuel, Tyus is about 5,700 for today's action. So, yeah, so, you know, that that's not the steal that he was ahead of game four, but that's still good value, I think, when you look at the other point guards on the slate for tonight. And then, like you mentioned, 41 minutes. He's going to play a lot. Um, So, yeah, he's pretty much a DFS lock, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. It wouldn't take much for him to hit 5X, 6X value. And if he's hot, he gets even more because the ball is going to be in his hands a ton. As I mentioned, 41 minutes in game four. That was a team high. Um, Steven Adams, interestingly, is is a name to mention here. In that list during those games without Morant this season, uh, Steven Adams was actually third in most minutes per game for, among any Grizzlies player without Morant. Now, a lot of that was early in the season when he was starting getting bigger minutes. Uh, and yet in game four, we saw him log 27 minutes. He put up 30 mm-hmm. plus DFS points. And I think probably against my better judgment, I'm going back to the well on on Steven Adams. Yeah, I don't blame you. because I think this is a better matchup than the Minnesota series where you had Carl Anthony mm-hmm. Towns who... Obviously, Draymond Green will, will stay out on the perimeter if Adams is matched up with him, but he isn't the scoring threat that Towns was, which is why Adams was pretty much played off the floor in that series. So yeah, I don't blame you or anyone else who would be willing to go back to Steven Adams because Xavier Tillman dropped out of the rotation completely. Um, Brandon Clark, mm-hmm. this hasn't been a great series for him either. So outside of Jaron Jackson Jr., I think Adams is pretty much the only option that you can rely on. I think Kyle Anderson is power forward availability. Yeah. So he's another guy you can consider. But yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with Adams as well. 
Yeah, Ad- Adams and Kyle Anderson is interesting, although I would like to see him get a few more minutes. But both yeah. of those guys can make plays for others, right? Mm-hmm. Surprisingly good passers. You don't really think that first of mind when you think of Steven Adams, but they'll run some action through him in the high post. Yeah. He can get some dimes when, when the offense is flowing. So I think that's critical, especially with obviously Morant out, but then you've got Desmond Bain playing like mm-hmm. a shadow of himself. He was diagnosed with a herniated disc. Kudos for him for even playing through it. Yeah. But you could just tell out there he's he doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all the more reason they need somebody to pick them up playmaking-wise. Uh, one more guy I'll throw into that list who we haven't talked about yet, obviously Dylan Brooks. Uh, br- brutal game for... <laughs> I got the sky right off the bat, so I'll, I'll defer. It's a brutal game for... But go for it, Ralph. Um, yeah, it, it felt like 13-year-old me watching Game 7 of the 94 NBA Finals with John Starks just deciding, oh, yeah. I'm going to figure this out at some point. You respect mm. the confidence, but you're like, wait, no... Let's calm down with this. And then after the game, Taylor Jenkins said that, you know, Dylan's earned my trust, which he certainly understand given his track record throughout his time in Memphis. But it's tough because it came at the expense, I think, of DeAnthony Melton. He only played nine minutes in game four. Um, Without John Morant, you would think that he'd get a little more time out there. But I don't know. They've got to figure something out because Dylan plays with that edge where – it's a reason why he's been successful, but it's kind of a double-edged sword in a sense um, because yeah. coming off that that suspension, you had to be a bit concerned. You add in the Morant injury, and it's like, oh no, this is gonna this has the potential to go south, and that's what yeah. happened. So, hopefully, being in front of the home crowd can kind of calm him down a little bit and, and give him a chance of being a bit more efficient offensively tonight. Yeah, you, you could almost sense the spotlight on him. And he yeah. said before the game, I love being booed. I want that attention, but it sure didn't look like it when you watched him yeah. shoot five of 19 with four turnovers and five fouls. Um, mm. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Should he? That's another question. I would expect more minutes from Melton, but I'm not willing to roll the dice on DFS yeah. because we didn't yeah. see it in game four. And the Grizzlies were right there in that game. So it's not like, I mean, Taylor Jenkins has reason to look back and go, hey, my strategy worked to a large extent. Uh, I don't need, you know, it's it's not broken. So a uh, lot going on there. Some definite values. Some guys we're, we're shading away from. Uh, but before we move on to other series, a quick reminder that if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands of dollars by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, Premier League, on the PGA Tour, and the NASCAR circuit. We also have a very special edition of NBC Sports Edge's A Good Football Show featuring the NFL schedule release this Thursday night. Join Sarah Perlman, Pat Darty, Drew Dinsick, and Pat Corain on Friday at noon Eastern as they dig into marquee matchups, analyze team win totals, and predict who we think will be crowned the divisional champs in 2022. Dietz & Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, Raph, let's move on to the Maverick Sun series. The Suns currently lead 3-2. We've got Game 6 looming in Dallas on Thursday. Uh, game 5 was a blowout. It was not particularly entertaining. You know, what, what did you see in this game? You mentioned to me that Dallas's secondary options crashed back to earth in Game 5. Is there anyone you're looking at for a bounce-back effort uh, from the Mav side of things? I think it's Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, that was an uncharacteristic game from him last night. I think he's going to be much better. And I kind of feel like when we look at those supplementary players, they tend to perform better at home than they do on the road. I don't know why that is, but it just feels like that, regardless of the team that we're talking about, those supplementary options, you know, they maybe they're more comfortable in that environment, if anything. So I think he'll bounce back. I think Maxi Kleber has been good all series. So I think he's another guy that people want to pinpoint in their lineups. You can get much from Reggie Bullock. I think he's too big of a gamble for me personally. So I would probably steer clear from him. But Finney Smith and Kleba, I think those guys will both bounce back uh, on Thursday. I like that. Finney Smith, to your point, while you were sp- speaking, I, I looked it up. He averaged slightly more points, uh, more three-pointers on better percentage, more rebounds, and more blocks, even in dimes and steals at home. So he, he's been markedly better in home games. Uh, I'm with you. I'd expect, I mean, this was kind of an aberration. Listen, Reggie yeah. Bullock was was scoreless <laughs> on, <laughs> on five attempts. Now, he's not a very high-ceiling DFS guy, but I've been very mm-hmm. comfortable slotting him into my utility spots uh, somewhere yeah somewhere cheap uh, and, and expecting 20 to 26, somewhere in that range, DFS points, I think he'll get back there. So I'm, I'm okay going back to the well with Bullock. Uh, Finney Smith as well. I mean, his price had spiked in DFS. That was part of yeah. the problem is that his salary was comparable mm-hmm. to Macau Bridges in their, in their yeah. last game. And, I, you know, I always lean Macau there. But uh, mm-hmm. DFS is still a solid guy. You'd expect his salary to dip a little bit as well. And then we've seen Jalen Brunson get back. I mean, he he really struggled mm-hmm. early in this this series. He's back, a couple straight games. Are you comfortable riding him? Uh, it looked like the Suns had had him sort of out of sorts in the first couple games, but I think so. You know, they're able to make some adjustments in terms of how he's utilized. Um, he got the ball in his hands a little bit more too. It seemed like Luca Luca's obviously going to dominate the basketball as he should. You know, he's their best player, but I think yeah. getting Brunson more opportunities to get into that mid range, you know, play with his back to the basket. We've seen how effective he is at posting up opposing guards. So I think Brunson, he's another guy that I guess you can say is, you know, I'm comfortable with playing and he's made himself a good amount of money, you know, with his performance. Mm-hmm. He'll be a free agent this summer. So, 
whether or not he'll be in Dallas, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I feel pretty good about him for game six too. Yeah, I do too. I do fear looking ahead to next season that his fantasy yeah. profile might be a little too high for what he's actually mm-hmm. going to produce. But hey, we'll we'll cross that bridge in the, exactly. in the weeks to come. Moving to Phoenix, where things are a bit more equitable. You mentioned how it's very, very top heavy on the Mavs size with Luca and then Brunson as option two. Uh, Suddenly in Phoenix, you know, it, it's much more equitable. And yeah. we saw Devin Booker have a great game. Chris Paul has suddenly vanished. Aiton kind of mm-hmm. has come and gone throughout the series. Is there anyone who strikes you as uh, more reliable than anyone else? And I'd even turn to Scrubs on this one. I mean, Bismarck Biombo yeah. replaced JaVale McGee in the rotation, essentially. Mm-hmm. They switched roles uh, in, in game four. Is this something that you expect to see going forward? And would you roll the dice on Biombo potentially as a ultra cheap DFS punt. I wouldn't roll the dice on Biombo, but you said at the start of this segment, there really wasn't much entertainment in this game. <laughs> I would argue that Biombo and Marquise Chris made up for that in the final seconds with that tunnel situation after they were both tossed <laughs> from the game. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think he's going to play enough to, to make it worth anyone's while in DFS. And I think, if anything, you want to see DeAndre Ayton get more opportunities, whether he has to be more aggressive in demanding the basketball or you need to look for him more. I think he needs to get the ball more because I don't know if Dallas has a proper matchup for him, to be honest with you. Um, They've used various guys, but if you aren't commanding the ball and taking 15, 20 shots per game, that advantage kind of gets nullified. So I think he's the Mm -hmm. one that I'm looking at and, and kind of expecting if they're going to close this thing out Thursday, he's going to have to have a huge game. Um, Devin Booker is Devin Booker. Chris Paul, we've seen him get targeted defensively these last few games. And I think that's taken some of the steam out of him from a mm-hmm. standpoint. You know, he's still going to play a lot of minutes. Campaign didn't play until garbage time last night. So that'll help him, I guess, make up, you know, to a certain extent. But I don't know. I think he's a guy that I'd stay away from DFS-wise at this point. Chris Paul. Okay. Paul's a tough one. As you mentioned, a couple brutal games. I was having a lot of luck in DFS early in this series with Luca and CP3 as my number, my one and two options. Obviously, that hasn't gone particularly well in recent games, even though I keep going back to the CP3 well. I think I'm done with it now. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's getting blitzed. Like, the Mavs have adjusted their schemes, as always happens throughout playoff series. And now we're seeing Reggie Block getting into CP3 defensively. Uh, really done a good job getting physical with him. We saw the out-of-character turnovers. We saw him foul out in another game. Uh, you know, they're really just kind of baiting him in a way that you rarely see with a player of his caliber. So kudos to Dallas on that front. Uh, but th- another thing is that CP has been very selective shooting the ball. He has a combined 21 shot attempts in the past three games. One of those he fouled out, of course, but still in those games, he also has zero free throw attempts. Not one, which blows my mind. Uh, he's also committed 13 turnovers, and he doesn't in those three games, and he doesn't have more than one steal in a single game this series. His assists are also down more than four per game versus the regular season. So you're talking about all the areas of his strengths for fantasy and in reality are being kind of eroded as this series mm-hmm. goes along. So I find it hard to lean into him. Biombo, I was going to take a contrarian approach and say that I would <laughs> gamble on him as a rock bottom, but you kind of talked me out. <laughs> when you factor in that Aiton only played 22 minutes in that last game and that it was a yeah. blowout and they didn't need him to play more, it is hard to see Biombo getting more than, you know, 13 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tough, but definitely Dallas does not have a matchup for Aiton. 
one thing that's strange and that I'd like to see throughout the regular season, even the Suns tend to get Aiton going early. Like they'll feed him yeah. in the post, the first, you know, three out of the first five possessions, get a couple buckets mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, he's off and running. They clearly can't stop this. And then they kind of go away from it and he'll get yes. lost for huge stretches of, of the game. And I mean, part of that may be just play calling and you could say, hey, why aren't the guards getting more involved and stuff? But Aiton also needs to just be more forceful. I I'll be shocked if we don't see more of that in the potential closeout game. Uh, all right, so let's move on to Philly Heat series where the Heat lead 3-2, another just absolute blowout in game five. Philly now faces elimination back home on Thursday. My first question for you, I guess, we saw Joel Embiid come back. It looked like he was in serious danger in game five. Yeah. He hurt his back early, but he was okay. Kind of walked that mm -hmm. off. Then he took a hit to the face when Dwayne Dedman was grabbing a rebound and smashed the ball into his mask accidentally. <laughs> How concerned are you? Just all the health is, you know, he's playing through a torn ligament in his thumb. How concerned are you from DFS, I guess, um, about Embiid's health and maybe even looking forward to next season? Yeah, I think the health concerns have pretty much been there throughout his career. Just that this yeah. year he's been able to play I think in the most that he's played in his career in a single season. So the health does concern me, you know, given the, the various injuries that he's picked up throughout the playoffs, because you're not, I don't think you're going to see him put up like those 55 and 60 DFS point nights that we, we grew accustomed to during the regular season. And also Bam Adebayo is a tough matchup. So, you know, Embiid, I think he'll be good enough to be worth slotting into the lineups. It's just that we think about his price tag, that may be the reason why I would stay clear, stay away from it. Yeah, I'm of two minds. This is probably going to be one of those nights where I have like a fade Embiid line, lineup yeah. in tournaments and then one where, where he's my MVP. Because you're mm -hmm. still talking about the league's leading scorer, a guy who's, I think, top three in usage. So I wouldn't count him out in an elimination game at home to just go nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> that, that said... His health aside, Philly has had a heck of a time getting him the ball. Like they, mm -hmm. they rarely, he didn't even touch the ball in the first half, it seemed in game five. Yeah. They just struggle. I think the TNT crew did a great job highlighting some of the broken attempts to, to feed him on the post with entry passes. Mm -hmm. It's just been a mess. And Miami, you know, fronting him with smaller players effectively, that can't happen at this stage yeah. of the season in the, in the, in the playoffs. So to see that, happen again and again and again over the course of multiple games erodes my confidence that suddenly they're going to figure it out so yeah like i said kind of boomer bust but I i'm willing to roll the dice on him in one league and then james harden is another guy kind of similar although i'm I, I don't really see much upside at this point for him yeah. you know he, he had that one throwback game four and suddenly the narrative <laughs> the narrative <laughs> swings are hilariously fast especially in the playoffs but it was like mm -hmm. oh harden's back this is why they brought him here and then, you know, just, just flops again. In this series, he's averaging 6.6 .6 dimes and five turnovers. Uh, he's just not the guy that we used to see. It's, mm -hmm. it's been said and it's true. He's aging. He's lost a step. He's never been a good defender. So he's already yeah. a liability on that end. So what do you see from, from Harden that could compel you to play him in DFS, if anything? Nothing. <laughs> like I, I can't, I can't do it. You know, because like yeah. you mentioned, you know, the loss of a step. It's not just in terms of getting to the basket, but a lot of those one-on-one yeah. -on -one isolation plays where we'd see him go through this extensive dribble package and step back. He's not getting that separation like he used to. So then those step back threes become a lot more challenged than they already were. 
you mentioned the turnovers, you know, the fact that that remains an issue even, you know, even now when he slowed down, that's a major concern. I would rather just stick with Tyrese Maxey. Maxey wasn't great last night. I think the last two games he's gotten off the slow starts. Game four, he's able to get it going late in the second half. But yeah. I feel like there's more upside to be had with Maxey than, than Harden at this point. So if I'm going to pick either of those guys for DFS, it's going to be Tyrese. I'm fully down with that, especially because you're probably saving a couple K in salary yeah. by by going down to Maxey. You know, and you mentioned just a final thought on Harden. You mentioned the, the loss of a step impacting more than just his ability to get by guys. And you're totally right. And it also, like, now defenses don't need to send multiple players yeah. at him all the time. And players can back off a little bit more than they used to, which closes out those passing lanes that used to be there for him, which I think is part of the reason we're seeing a, a nearly one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio because he's not seeing the same things he used to see as a as a superstar who had incredible gravity uh, as an offensive guy. It's sad. I mean, frankly, I'm not a Sixers fan by any stretch, but I would be terrified if I were about the money they're about to pay a severely depleted guy who rarely defends and is struggling offensively at the highest stage. They're about to pay him over 40 million a year. So it's tough because, you know, you make the trade that they did, you almost have to pay him. Yeah. And so, I think Brooklyn's going through a similar situation with Kyrie Irving, even though he wasn't a part of that trade, obviously. Mm. Kind of thing. We kind of have to pay this guy, even though we aren't too excited about it. You know? Yeah, it would be a strange uh, conclusion to the process to have suddenly go from <laughs> yeah. intentionally tanking to build up all young talent to overpaying a, mm-hmm. a, a veteran. But that's how it goes in the, in the brutal NBA. Uh, just quickly on the heat, I know you and I, probably agree that Jimmy Butler is about as safe as it gets for DFS and, and that Philly has nobody who can defend him. But what about Bam Adebayo? He's, he's had some pretty good games to start the series. He's tailed off since then. Are you going back to the well with Bam? I think I would just because of what he can provide you across the stat line. Uh, He hasn't been great this series. And I think the Mm -hmm. Embiid return has a little bit to do with that, but even the first two games, he wasn't as dominant as I think a lot of people expected him to when Doc Rivers insisted on starting DeAndre Jordan. Um, <laughs> unsurprisingly, we haven't seen DeAndre since. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think I would still go with Bam just because we've seen him have an impact on games in a variety of ways. And I think he's not too far removed from putting up a high-level double-double anyway. So I think I would go with him anyway. Okay. I think I'm less inclined to play him. I'd probably go with him in the aforementioned fade and bead lineup, but he's probably the fourth most expensive player in this series, I believe, for Mm -hmm. FanDuel. So I I think my my inclination is to spend up and get Jimmy and Embiid both locked into my lineups and then go from there. Part of the problem is that Bam's value is better in nine cat. You know, he's, he's not Mm-hmm. truly a DFS guy already uh, just because he relies on the offensive yeah. efficiency and defensive stats are a big one, steals in particular. Uh, but also in this series, his rebounds and dimes are both down. He's averaging 7.4 boards, 2.4 dimes. So you're not getting that safety floor that you used to get. So um, yeah, like I said, I, I'll play him in fade and bead lineups, but that's about it. Uh, and then very quickly, I just wanted to touch on, not get too deep into the Celtics Bucks, but I didn't want to talk Give a little love to our guy, Al Horford, oh, yeah. who just blew up <laughs> with, <laughs> with a career postseason high, 30 points to tie the series at 2-2 on the road. Uh, just a beautiful performance. Um, mm-hmm. 
and kind of fitting in that he he was the one who made that tip at the last just after the buzzer uh, in game three that the Bucks ended up winning. So he got some some payback for that one. Now, if Robert Williams the third, as we record this, he's questionable with ongoing knee soreness to play in game five. If he's out, are you going back to the well with Horford or do you think that was a fluke and he'll be over over rostered tonight? I'd go back to Al either way. Because I don't know All how right. much Robert's going to be able to play. You know, think yeah. about it's a knee that was operated on. I wouldn't say he rushed back because obviously I'm no doctor and I'm not there, so I can't really say that. But given the timeline of his return from the knee surgery, I would think Boston may want to ease back a little bit in terms of his minutes. So if anything, yeah. I think Horford's going to be a really good option again. Grant Williams, too. He's played well. He's proven to be an effective matchup in this series. So – I think those are both guys that DFS players may want to consider a bit more than in the time mode at this point. That's a that's a good call. And we did see Robert Williams. He started the series versus the Bucks, playing 22 minutes, 25, 23. So he wasn't getting a ton of minutes anyway. Yeah. And he had a setback or at least the mm-hmm. soreness was elevated to the point that he couldn't play in the last game. So you're right. I mean, you'd think 20 minutes is probably the ceiling there. Um, Grant Williams is an interesting guy. Now he was benched in the fourth quarter. I think the entirety of the fourth quarter, maybe in the last game, uh, just because the Celtics were having such luck with a smaller lineup with, mm-hmm. with Al in the middle. Derek White was was playing really well down the stretch. I'm not reading too much into that. I think that was just situation of the game. The Celtics run a run yeah. and don't mess with a good thing. Grant Williams is still, for my money, and pretty clearly, I think if you watch it, the best matchup one on one that the Celtics have against Giannis. Uh, Horford credit him he's been he's doing his level best and he's really good just his basketball iq allows him to make up for a lack of lateral quickness and so forth but Giannis can still get by him on line drive so um i definitely expect quite a bit of grant williams i'm with you i'm fine going back to al horford he's been awesome like i said they you know on the court defensively he's been great he's absolutely killing the bucks with his three-point shooting that's one thing that kind of makes me leery is maybe they'll stay home with Al a little more, like part of the game plan. They might have to focus on Al Horford, but hey, when he's done it this consistently for this many games in the same matchup, why why question the man? Well, Raph, that'll that'll do it for this one. Uh, I wish you the best of luck with your DFS lineups. Uh, maybe you and I can play a head-to-head, uh, head-to-head <laughs> matchup one of these days. Yeah, wouldn't be a bad idea. All right, we'll make that the theme of the next pod that we do together. All right. right, Thanks for hanging. See see you, Rob. Thank you. Take care. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.